Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Welcome back. I hope that your December is going really well. We are certainly barreling in towards the end of this year with only a weekend for Christmas standing between you and 2022. I pray you are hopeful about what you can become for the Lord next year. But I didn't want to wait until January to start moving. So pretty much all of the episodes in November and December are about changes we can make now to turn that calendar with momentum. We want optimism in place going through the holidays. And this concept of being mindful now instead of waiting for some deadline to start is already paying dividends in my life. I'll give you a literal physical example. I'm trying to get back to becoming a runner. I did not fare well in the running department through the last 18 months of the COVID pandemic. And I guess I could hype myself up about that and then on January 1st, just put on some shoes and take off. But that whole idea of taking another month off and then hitting it hard on January 1st is a recipe for failure that we've all fallen victim to many times. So a few weeks ago, I started walking, and then jogging a little bit, and now it's already becoming a habit. I've made a 100-day, 30-minutes-a-day commitment, and I'm already into it. It changed the way I see next year already. There's a 5K in mid-January. No chance I would have signed up for that if my first jog of the last year was on January 1st. But because it was in the third week of November... I'm already committed to accomplishing that and well on my way and feeling great about it. Can you see how all of that works? You assess things in the fall and you start working towards change mentally and then physically and it immediately begins to transform expectations for the coming year. So to me, last week was an enormous step in that. I hope that you've taken the time to write out or think out your circles of importance Maybe you're with me on the four that I drew. My relationship with God is first. My relationship with my wife and my children is next. Then comes my responsibility to Christians. And then fourthly in that list are the people, the neighbors, everyone else that God works into my life. I will not rehash that whole episode, but you might remember there were two surprises for me at the end. All of the things that I possess in this life didn't make it in the circles. So they are subject to all of the people in the circles. And I myself was not listed within those circles. And yet, because all of those are relationships that I share with people, with God, with my spouse, with you, I've come to see that the greatest quality of my personal life is when those relationships are strong. Today's book recommendation and content is related to all of that, kind of a next step. But before we get into that, and if you don't mind, I would like to share with you a couple of real changes that have occurred in me because I laid all of that system out, set it before the Lord, and revealed it, actually, to all of the people involved, 
to the church here through a sermon that I preached, to my wife and children at the dinner table, and certainly to God. I've started recognizing the value of going through those circles literally every day. I try to start first thing in the morning, cultivating strength in my connection to God, reading, praying, journaling. Then I have some coffee with Summer and we talk about the day. Then I wait for the kids to get up and chat with them a little bit. Then I get into the work of answering emails or making phone calls or working on lessons related to the church. And then all along the way, I try to look for people whom God might be weaving into my life to be helped. I realize that may look different for you, but I love seeing it all play out in daytight increments. I've had breakfast with Ella and with Nick. I skipped Luke this week because we had a lot going on and because he and I went to Panda Express like 30 times this summer during golf season. And my married daughter Hannah has agreed to have lunch with me on Tuesday, so I'm excited about that. These little changes have had a deep impact on the people I love the most. But it's not just them. The other day I'm at Walmart and there's a guy standing there with a sign. So I pull over, hand him a little bit of money and a card with my number on it and I say, hey man, Call me if you need anything else. He calls me 30 minutes later. He says, I'm on my way to El Paso. I have two front tires in very poor condition, one of which is just almost undrivable. Now, there is a version of me from not very long ago who would have said, I've done enough for this guy. I have plenty of other things going on today, and this is definitely going to cost more than I thought. But last week's episode is something I'm trying to make real. I said that outside of family and brethren are neighbors God puts in my life. And I said, and I prayed to God and said, the resources you have given me are outside of those things and subject to them. So without getting into needless detail today, it changed the trajectory of the rest of that day. But I honored my value system. And how do you think that felt? Now, today, I want to take all of that information and talk about how do we juggle it. How do we create balance between family and neighbors and God? Particularly today, based on the book I'll be introducing to you, what about your work, your occupation, your career, your commitments to the world around you? It's easy to draw circles and make pronouncements, but what about when there's conflict? Would I have spent that money the same way on that stranger if I had committed it to taking my wife out to dinner? Would I have put in the time and energy to help this guy if my son had a basketball practice? How do you balance all of it? Well, a friend of mine who I'd reached out to as a mentor, more on that in a bit, recommended a book by a man named Pat Gelsinger. The book is called The Juggling Act. I can't recall if I've mentioned it before, but we'll dig in a little bit today. Here's a short bio on Mr. Gelsinger. He is currently the CEO of Intel Corporation. When he wrote this book, The Juggling Act, it was maybe 15 years ago, and he was working his way up the ladder in that company. He is also a strong believer in Jesus and has always sought to prioritize God above everything else. Along the way, he got married and had a family, and he knew that they needed to be in the picture somewhere. And yet he's ridiculously smart, a type A personality, classic incredible overachiever, working in an exciting industry and very lucrative. And so some years ago, he sought a way to balance it all. And maybe balance is a better word than juggling. 
I've used the juggling act as today's title because that's what he chose for the book, and I wanted you to remember that. But on the cover of the book, there's a man with three sticks, like you would see at a talent show or something, where one stick is in your left hand, one in your right, maybe the other one's in your mouth, and at the other end of those sticks are plates, spinning, and you're trying to balance all three of those plates. In the book, he designates the three in this way. One is God, your faith, worship, your spirituality in Christianity. Another plate is family, which of course can change over time. Maybe right now it's just you and your parents, or you and a spouse, and then children are involved. What's on these platters changes, but those are two of the big three in his life. The third one is his work, his occupation, his career at Intel. I really enjoyed hearing the story of his life and how he's worked those three things throughout his life. The book includes a very nice balance of his failures and his successes, and I was able to draw inspiration from both. You know what I mean? Like seeing his imbalance and the way he addressed it helps me with my own, and also seeing some of the things that he did well inspired me to want to be more like him. For instance, as maybe I mentioned before, he was the one who took his kids out to breakfast each week, and I just cold stole that, and I'm glad that I did. Throughout the book, he expresses six points of clear progress that I want to share with you for the rest of today's time. Please understand this is a synopsis, in part based on my observations and some things that he said at the end of the book, but I commend it to you as a full read if you are having issues keeping the proper balance with all of the elements or the plates in your life. Okay, six things to think about if you're interested in ending this year strong, establishing your value system, balancing the elements of your life, and making next year the best one you've ever had. Number one, set a course. Gelsinger did this by creating a three-page long mission statement, which included a detailed list of his value system, even beyond just four circles, his goals for the next year, the next five years, and beyond, all of which were very important to him and he was passionate about. You don't have to go into all of that detail, but can we just do this for next year? What's your course? Who do you want to become? What do you want to accomplish? What values need to show up more in your life? If you looked back one year from today as 2022 was ending, and you could honestly say, I used that year well. I've made some real progress. I've climbed a lot of stairs. You need to be able to detail at least a few real changes, maybe in relationships, in location, occupation, whatever it might be. It's that age-old adage, if you aim for nothing, you hit it every time. Set your course. And if I could add a note on this, go big and smile when you do it. Lay out really cool things that you're excited about that would be awesome to see realized in your life. This should not be a chore because it's more of an inspiring vision. Number two, prioritize God. God must be your highest value. Mr. Gelsinger wrote this, create a unique relationship between yourself and God that is consistently reinforced by your use of time. Create patterns and reminders in your life to help you remain in consistent dialogue and relationship with Him. 
Be a visible and committed member of your place of worship. Use all your resources and finances consistently with God as your first priority. I don't know that it can be said any better than that, but it does need to be said. God as first in our lives is one of those things that everyone knows is important and maybe assumes is the case, but can only be the case when you are mindful about it, intentional, and directional. Number three, prioritize family. As you may can tell, his circles and mine are the same at this point. He said the following, Establish your schedule so that other things do not squeeze out precious family time. Date your spouse. Spend individual time with each of your children. Put clear boundaries in place between work and family time. Be flexible. But when a season of work becomes prominent, make sure to take a period of focused time with your family to restore that proper balance. Basically, every single thing he said there is amazing, and you should just back up and listen to it again. Our life and work can be very hectic and get things quickly out of balance. We all know what it feels like when we just want to spend time with God and our families and things outside of that are demanding our attention. Things related to financial sustenance or our careers. He's saying, look, I didn't just blow all that off because it wasn't my inner circle but I kept the inner circle things woven in. And if his life is anything like mine, just being mindful of God and my family, even when engaged in some other task, goes a long way with God and with my family in terms of their patience. Number four, work hard. He writes, be a great employee. Realize that ultimately you're not working for your boss, your president, or your company. Instead, you're working for God. In the end, his well done is the only reward that really matters. With the goal of heaven in view, look past anything that might distract you from being a great employee. This point seems so needful, and we haven't focused on it a lot in past episodes. But the New Testament teaches that a big part of living the tranquil, peaceful life is working hard, even if it's a master who is unkind, work as if for the Lord, provide for your family, and do so with integrity. In other words, I can't take the circles and weaponize them. I can't say, well, I'm going to shirk my responsibilities as an employee, but it's because my family is more important. The imagery isn't setting one plate down because the other plate is more important. The imagery is balancing and juggling all of them at the same time. Gelsinger is big on compartmentalizing, and I agree. When it's time to work, work well, work hard, be the best. When it's time to shut down work and go home, shift everything over to your family. This keeps us from pitting our value system against itself. That is not the goal. Work hard. Number five, develop mentors. He talks a lot about how easy it is to drift from our mission statement to get too caught up in one thing or one challenge and miss the balance. And yet, from the outside looking in, people who love us can see what's happening and can help us. He writes, Create a network of individuals who keep you on track. Find one or two people you trust and respect and who are good in the areas that you are weak to be mentors to your personal and professional life. Look for both peers to keep you accountable and mentees who could benefit from your experience. 
I really love this point, and I'll be honest with you, not many weeks ago, I reached out to someone who I haven't known long, but whom I respect greatly and asked to be mentored. I needed to pour out my bucket. I needed clarity and direction. He recommended this book to me, and it's made a big difference. He has spent time with me on the phone and has messaged me each week to check on my progress. I needed him, and I'm thankful for him, and I'm certainly hopeful in some way I can also be an encouragement to him. By the way, for me, he's in that really important third circle, relationship with God's people, which can take on different, specific, unique roles. But having someone to be accountable to, someone whom I will listen to, and someone who cares about me, maybe you need that. I'm pretty sure we all do. A little note here on Intel, the nature of mentoring programs in that company and the way that they built relationships through respect and drew satisfaction by developing the gifts of others, it's just tremendous, and I believe we could use more of it in Christ's church. Okay, last on the list, number six, is have a clear witness. Here's what he means by that. Having developed a balanced life with God, family, and work as your priorities, you will also develop a reputation as a great employee. That is when you are in a position to be a clear witness for God at your job. You will have developed the credibility to influence others. What he's ultimately saying here is that God is not on one of the plates. God made the plates. God made the sticks. God gave you the ability to spin the plate on the sticks and keep everything going. In fact, it's the power of God that keeps everything going. So God isn't just in the center circle. He's not just the highest priority. He permeates everything else. He shows up in your family and makes your family better. He shows up at the workplace, not in the place of hard work, but as a character trait that eventually grows a voice in the midst of all of your hard work. God allows the balance to happen because we allow God to be a part of all of the balancing. We've talked a lot about that, about him, throughout all of these episodes, but I love it, and I love him, and I hope you do also. So here it is. Are you looking for a life of balance? Number one, set a course. Number two, prioritize God. Number three, prioritize your family. Number four, work hard in whatever occupation you've chosen. Number five, develop mentors, people who will hear you and people you will listen to. And then finally, in all you do and in every relationship, be a clear witness to others of the power and joys of God in your life. This simple set of principles in this wildly unpredictable life make it possible for you to maintain the juggling act. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.